Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 14th of August 2016, entitled Fight the Good Fight of Faith, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to read the entirety of this chapter to begin this morning because I want you to grasp the context of what we will be looking at. Some very simple thoughts this morning that I hope very much will be an encouragement to you and speak to your hearts. First Timothy chapter 6, I invite those that would to stand to honor the reading of God's most holy and precious word as we read from First Timothy chapter 6 this morning. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. They that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, Verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may Lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Father, we thank you again for the wonderful privilege that we have to be in your house this morning for your preserved word that we have before us. So, Father, now as we take the time, we can also praise and thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within us. 
For it is he that can give us understanding today. It is he that can speak to the hearts of men and women and boys and girls here today that no man can do. So we pray now, Lord, please speak to our hearts, speak to each one, take away the distractions, help our minds not to wander, help us to look to you, anticipating what you have for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I'm not sure how many of you have ever been involved in a fight, a physical fight, a fist fight. I almost was last Sunday when I bopped Andrew in the nose, I think. <laughs> Just think, I didn't stick you with the thorn, brother. Amen. I can remember fights, and, and, I, and I can gratefully say that it's not something that I've been involved in a lot of times, but yes, some of us have been involved at times or others. But it's interesting here that, you know, normally we think of fighting as something that is bad, something that we don't want to be involved in, unless you're a bully, you're going around looking for it and, and, and that kind of thing. But it's not something that we normally promote, go out and get in a good fight today. But God tells us here in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. He's not only telling us to fight, but he's telling us to fight the good fight of faith. Now, it's interesting as we look at that because if you've been at Bethel for very long, we, we talk about faith a lot around here because without faith, we have no reason for being here. We've been looking at a series for a number of years and we've gone through a lot of many series within that series on contending for the faith, that faith that was, that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Fight the good fight of faith. We find that we try to describe, and I'm not going to spend much time this morning talking about because hopefully you already know what faith is. And of course, we've looked often at the Bible's definition, description, when it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think it was either last Sunday or the Sunday before that I briefly mentioned again that so that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word there could also be translated as confidence. It's the very source. It's what holds it up. And the, the word in the Greek originally literally was that which supported something. It was that which held it up. This could not exist without that which supported it and held it in place. Faith is the substance of every hope that we have. It is the confidence. It is the very support. It is the only way that we even have hope that it can exist. exist. If you take away faith, hope has nothing to rest on. We have no hope. It fails to be. The evidence of things not seen. That's where you get in big trouble with the world a lot of times. <laughs> Faith, the evidence of things not seen. Because so many times they're trying to see something they can physically touch and lay hold on, whereas we realize the faith is the evidence of things not We see things through faith that nobody else can see. And it's not when we start going crazy and they start putting the white jackets on us because we're seeing things and talking to people sometimes. They think that's what they need to do with us. But I want to remind you this morning, I want to remind you of a simple illustration that I've used a couple of times here and keep your mind on it. You know, the Bible tells us that unless we have the faith as that child, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about something here that requires great university training, that requires great education by anybody. We're talking about something that even a child can have and understand. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says if we come with any other except that like that child, it's not going to get us anywhere anyway. I remember setting Tyler up on that when he was barely out of nappies and telling him one Sunday, jump. Guess what he did? He didn't even hesitate. He just jumped. I told him, I said, well, you know, I could have really taught him a lesson there and just moved out of the way and push. But he had the, that's the childlike faith, complete trust. Probably never entered his mind that his dad would step out of the way and let him splatter on the concrete. When dad said jump, 
He just jumped. And of course, that's the kind of faith God wants us to have. The Bible's telling us here to fight the good fight of faith. That's what I want us to think about for just a moment because here today, whether you're here and you are saved, born again, on your way to heaven and you know it without a shadow of a doubt, or whether you're here and you don't have that confidence and you don't know, there are great truths here that you need to lay hold of this morning. You see, it's one thing to know what faith is. And even to be able to, in some way, try to define it and describe it to others. But it's another thing altogether to possess it, to have it. You know, you can look at others and know that they believe in something, and you can tell when people believe in themselves so much or they believe in in whatever it is that they believe as Christians. I'm sure that there are others that you've come across in your Christian walk that their faith has had a great impact upon your life because you've been able to see it in them. But what I want to talk about today is you knowing that you possess it yourself. Not that you can just talk about it and define it and tell what it is, but that you know that it's in your heart. You see, the devil knows that without faith, without believing faith, without faith in our Lord and all of his promises that he makes us in his word. He knows that one of two things, he's either going to get us for eternity in hell or he's going to make us so ineffective that he makes sure that we don't have the right kind of influence on anybody else in this life. Because not only have we described faith, we've talked many, many times the salvation, grace, For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So we don't go around getting the big head that we've got something that somebody else doesn't, that we've got something because we've become so clever that we've done this, that we've done that. No. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The faith that we're talking about is simply when you come to the point that you honestly believe what God says, unquestionably, unequivocally, you just believe it. Whatever God says, that's sufficient. That's enough. That's what you believe. But you see, Satan knows. Sometimes we have just a, a measure of faith. We, we kind of believe in something to a certain point. Sometimes it's enough that we may act upon it, and sometimes it's enough that we're afraid to because we just don't have enough faith to step out and act upon it. It's faith in God's Word, faith in what God has said to us that troubles Satan because he knows that if he can weaken your faith as a lost person, he can keep you from God. And he knows that if he can weaken your faith as a believer that he can weaken your entire Christian walk. Don't kid yourselves. And we need to understand, and this is why that we have read all of this in the context that it's being written in. Now, we don't have time to look at the whole chapter, but we're going to look just at verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. But in the context of what we're talking about here, we see many, many things. We see, first of all, that he begins with our whole attitude towards others around us the servants, toward their masters, and all of these different ones, are we acting as we ought to? And he's telling us that it's vital, that it's important in our life. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes one of the hardest things in the world is to love your boss. (laughs) You like him when he's signing the check or he's putting that money into your bank account, but not so much so sometimes when he's laying down the law of everything that he expects from you today and this week and whatnot on your job. And he's talking about the servants and the masters here, even down to being a slave, to hold that rightful respect. But he spends a lot of time here also talking about those that are wealthy in this world's goods. And they have such confidence in it. And they feel like that they're such successes of themselves. But he reminds us very simply that, hey, you came into this world with nothing and you're going to leave this world with nothing. So you can build all that you want to while you're here, but that's a pretty, pretty short time 
when you start looking at it in relation to eternity. And he's emphasizing that fact that so many times worldly wealth can be a snare. It can be a struggle. It can actually get in our way of serving God because we're so concerned about what we do or do not have in this life that we really don't have our focus upon eternal life. So he's warning us, you know, that it's not money, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Our, our, our love for that, our desire for the wealth of this world, and he's trying to put that emphasis in the context of this verse, what's important to us? As long as it's this world and the things we have here that's more important than what we have with God, then there's going to be a struggle for us. And, of course, then he goes on also, and, and, and in fighting this good fight of faith, he goes on to tell us the importance of how that there are many that has struggled with this because of Satan's attacks, and it, and it affects so many things, and it affects their eternal life, yes, but it also can affect so very much their attitudes, who they are, how others perceive them. And, of course, we saw here that it's a challenge because if we're not careful, there's even many in the Christian faith that they get off course on their teachings. They start trying to make the Word of God fit what they want rather than the Word of God standing on its own. So keep in mind, as we think of this this morning, fight appears twice there. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. One time it's a noun. The other time it's an action verb. First of all, he's saying fight. Get involved in the fight. You know, go up and punch Andrew in the nose like I did last week. Fight the good fight. The other is a noun. He's listing. There is a fight. There is a fight. There is a battle that is going on. There's a great contention that's going on. I want you to get in this fight. What in the world kind of good fight is God encouraging us? Go out there and get involved in the fight. I said go and fight the good fight of faith. The fight of faith. There is only one person in all the universe that wants to weaken or dampen or destroy your faith, and that's Satan himself. Many of these Christians were taking it too lightly. They didn't realize their enemy is after them, and they need to get involved in this fight. The other option is just a setback and let Satan have a heyday on you. Let him weaken your faith. Let him send you to an eternity without God if you're not willing to make that move and put your faith in for whatever excuses that you might put up. Or Christian, let him defeat you. Let your life get so involved in the things of this world and what you're doing here and what you're enjoying here and all of those things that you have nothing in eternity. Your life accomplishes nothing because whatever you build in this world, you're going to leave it behind. It's not going with you. Do you not think that Satan is wise to all of this, that that's what Satan wants to do? I'm telling you today, there is a fight going on in your life for your soul, for your very being. And it's a fight of faith. Because if Satan can destroy your faith, first of all, you'll never get saved. And secondly, you'll never accomplish anything for God. What's the next thing that he says in that verse? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. I want you to go out there and I want you to get involved and I want you to fight. This is a good fight. It's the fight of faith and I want you to lay hold. Grab hold. Get a hold of it. Get it in your hand. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it get away. It's an absolute physical. Get involved in this fight and when you get involved, the first thing you need to do is lay hold on eternal life. You've got to have that. If everything else slips through your hands, if you got no job, if you got no house, if you got no clothes on your back, lay hold on eternal life. Do you realize that's the first thing that Satan wants to destroy your faith in? He does not want you to become a child of God. He repeats that. That same token down later in the verse when he says down in verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Those that are fighting the good fight 
of faith. But there are a lot of things that could be said there, but this word literally means to, how many of you have watched any of the, Olymp- the Olympics the last couple of weeks? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of contests going on there. And this, this word here carries with it that idea of, you know, get in the contest. You can't win if you're not invited. Fight the good fight. Get involved in the fight of faith. Go out there and do something. Metaphorically, it always means to contend, to struggle against the the difficulties and the dangers and the things that are coming against you. But I want to just give you a couple of the things this morning you need to you need to be aware of. You see, one of the first one of the first battles that you'll have to fight in this good fight of faith is the conflict of doubt. Doubt. That's all the devil has to do is to get you to doubt. We don't have to turn there for the sake of time this morning, but most of you have read or heard the story of Peter walking on the water. I mean, here he is out here in the middle of the sea, and and suddenly he sees Jesus, and he just steps right out of that boat on that water, never gives it a second thought, and just starts walking across the top of it. Suddenly, he realizes what he's done. He sees the water then instead of Jesus, and he starts sinking. As long as all he saw was Jesus... It was nothing. <laughs> These obstacles just weren't even in the way. They weren't even there. He just, just walked on the water. But what did Jesus say to him? Oh, thou of little faith. Peter, <laughs> Peter, the problem is just your faith. Didst thou, what was the next word? Doubt? Peter, did you doubt me? Peter, did you not really believe that, that I was there for you? you can look at many. You see, The devil wants to attack your assurance. He wants you to doubt just as Peter did. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We could say that faith is based on God's facts. Now, the natural world will not understand that many times. But you see what Satan will do, he can't change the facts. They're there. God has preserved them for us. Now, he tries he comes up with all kind of different perversions that he tries to, to undermine and weaken the Word of God, but God's Word is preserved for us, and we have it right here in the Word of God today. So if he can't change the facts, what can he make you do? He can make you doubt that the facts are true. You really believe he walked on the water? You really believe that God physically parted the Red Sea? You really physically believe that that fish swallowed that man up and he stayed in his belly for three days? You really believe that that the water came down and this whole world was, was totally flooded and covered with water? You believe that stuff? That's the way the world... And you know, the devil doesn't have to change any of those facts in God's Word. All he has to do is get you to doubt that they're true. Most of... Most of religions today, the false religions, are made up of just doubting what God has said, what God has preserved, what God's truth, what God's facts tell us. Turn with me, if you would, in the book of Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 3. Word of God tells us this. He says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err, where? In their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of, say the word, unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But we are made partakers of Christ we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. 
Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into the rest, but to whom that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief. You see, not holding on to the faith that God has given us. God has told us everything that he has done and that he will do for us. We know all that we need to know from his word. It's bottomless. It's endless. We keep going back to it. Not holding the faith to stay saved, but holding the faith to be partakers with Christ, to be part of what Christ is doing in this fight of faith. I just want to assure you, God is telling you today, whoever you are, friend, he's telling you to fight the good fight of faith. Get involved. Get up your dukes and get out there and fight this fight. This is a good fight that you need to be fighting for because Satan is definitely after you. He's coming after you, and you need to stand up and fight him instead of just letting him have his way, first of all, with your mind and filling it with doubts. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the first thing in all the world that you need to do is lay hold on eternal life. And you know what, Christians? <laughs> Once you lay hold on it, it's not something that you lay down somewhere else along the line. When you lay hold on it, you hold it for eternity. Because of your faith in him, you don't have to keep fighting to stay holding. You just have to keep the faith. You just believe him. He's going to do all the work. The conflict of doubt. I just want you to understand Whoever you are, whatever you've been involved in, the devil wants to make you doubt. He wants to make you doubt so that you don't lay hold on eternal life, and he wants to make you doubt as a child of God, just like he did with Peter when he was walking on the water. He does not want you to be effective. He does not want you to do those things in your life that are unexplainable to this world because it's God working through you, not what you're doing yourself. You don't get the credit for it. When God does it, the conflict of doubt. There's another conflict in this fight of faith, and it's the conflict of strength. You see, too many times we start comparing our strength to the task that's before us. You go to the borders of Canaan. Israel was there. We just read there a few minutes ago. Why were they not allowed to enter in? Because of unbelief. They were charged with their unbelief. Why? Because 10 out of the 12, when they went in there, what they saw were the giants. They saw something more powerful, stronger. God had said, this is your land. I'm going to take you in. You're the one that's going to own this land. And the spies go in. Two of them had the faith. Ten of them saw the giants. They said, we're not, we're not strong enough for this. We can't take them on. I know, you know, God said he was going to send us in there and take them, but do you see those guys? Do you see how big they are? I am not ready for this kind of a battle. You see, I don't find anywhere where they actually doubted the task that God had given them to enter. They just doubted the strength that they had to do it. The enemy was able to convince them that they weren't strong enough. God had said, here's where I'm going to take you. This is what I'm going to do with you. But the enemy said, no, <laughs> your strength isn't enough. You see, there is no wrong in doubting your strength, our strength, because we're right when we look at it in comparison. But what we've been reading and what we were seeing earlier, it's not our strength. It's his strength. 
He's the one that has the power. Do we believe? There's nothing wrong if you think, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't accomplish that. I can't. But God can. You see, he doesn't really care if you doubt yourself. What he wants you to do is to doubt God. To doubt that God's strength is sufficient. It's an area of real conflict for many Christians because when we look around us, we'd be pretty foolish not to realize. Sometimes men, they're, they're going to pile things against you. They're going to be powerful and strong, and you're just little old you. God says, get in there and fight the good fight of faith. Don't let Satan, don't let him weaken your faith. Don't let him weaken you. Not because he sends doubts your way, doubts in God and his word and what he's promised. Not because that he gets you believing that your strength isn't sufficient. Because we saw last week with the Apostle Paul with the thorn in the flesh that it was in our weakness that his strength could be seen. The conflict of doubt, the conflict of strength how about the conflict of understanding? <laughs> so many times, for those that are unsaved, for those that are not Christians, I see them trying to understand everything in this Bible that I've been studying my whole life, and I still don't understand a lot of it. But they want to understand it before that they possibly get involved in this Christianity stuff. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto what? Don't trust your own understanding. Just trust him. Don't lean on your understanding whether you understand it or not. Maybe some people try to say, well, I don't... I couldn't possibly become a Christian because I don't understand all this stuff about heaven and hell. I don't understand how this God of love could allow people to go to a, to a place of torment. How, how can that be? I don't understand how that I can live a good life and do better than those people around me and give to this good cause and give to that good cause and yet God would still let me go to a place like hell. And yet this joker over here, you know, all he does is believe that book that you call the Bible and starts living like a crazy person. He's going to heaven. Lean not to thine own understanding. The world's never going to understand the things of God. It keeps many, many people away. That's all he has to do is fog up their understanding a bit. But, you know, sadly, it's not just with lost people. He's doing the same thing with Christians, even though they're saved. Even though they know, they know that God's word is final. They know that what God says, that's it. But unfortunately, even though they may know that fact, they still somehow in their minds try to rationalize and understand everything that God does and how he does it and why he does it. Why, why does God allow this? You know, I asked you last week, you know, why, why does God let the son of Christians that's only 14 years old die of cancer? Why does God allow these things to enter our life that we have no understanding of? You see, some things we'll never understand in this world, but there's another problem in a lot of it. I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it, but I've spent almost 61 years of forming a few opinions of my own. <laughs> I've got a few opinions, <laughs> and I'm not afraid to, to share them. And usually the older I get, I, I try to share them more fervently because I may, I may not get a chance again, so I'm going to share it now. I've got my opinions on things. The thing is, we spend a lifetime of forming opinions about just about everything in the world. We've got our opinion on it. The bad thing is, we then go to God's Word. 
We try to force our opinions on God. We've already formed our opinion about this subject, and we've already formed our opinion about that subject. So now when I go to God and to his word, I try to approach it to make it fit all those opinions that I have spent so much time and such hard work getting understanding on all of these subjects so that I can be right. And in the end, we begin to pervert the facts. We, get, we, get, we begin to, to pervert the only truth that stands above all truths. The warning in Proverbs 3, 5 is trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your being. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't, don't live your life trusting your understanding. What does he say in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5? Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. How can you begin to think like he thinks? How can you begin to think like he wants you to think instead of just based on all your vastly hard work for opinions? It's right here, folks. We try to make it so hard. It's faith in what he says. Don't try to make it fit something else. Just go to him. Trust in his knowledge, his understanding. We trust God. We trust the word of God. We trust that what God says, maybe if I don't understand it now, maybe he'll see fit. If I study harder and if I look deeper, some of those things I may grasp understanding, but I'm just as guilty as you. If I'm not careful, I'll go to God's word and I'll start trying to read God's word, but I'll try to read it in light of what I already know, of what I've already got my opinion formed about. I'm leaning to my own understanding that I already have. That doesn't mean that you can just learn stuff and throw it out and it doesn't matter. No, it's just that what are those opinions based on? Are they based on the world's understanding or God's understanding? When we go to God, we shouldn't go with all of our opinions that have been formed by many times, many of the things around us in the world, not just his word. Regardless of your understanding of the matter, you trust him. A difficult, difficult struggle for most Christians. Be warned. Beware. Be on guard. Be careful. The enemy is out there. There is a fight, a battle that it's going on, and that battle is to destroy your faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And get involved in this battle. I mean, you need to be involved. You need to fight the enemy off. Remember, your dependence is upon him, not upon yourself. The conflict of doubt, the conflict of strength, the conflict of understanding. And I just want to give you one more in closing this morning. The conflict of operating in the spiritual realm in a natural world. <laughs> I know you're going to get some weird looks. <laughs> We're operating in a natural world that knows nothing. We find that in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 20, the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation is in heaven. We talked about that word here some weeks back. Our citizenship in heaven. Our conversation is heaven. That's, that's not in this world, not in this, this natural world that, that you and I live in. Turn back just a couple of pages in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Again, a very familiar passage. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, his trickery, his deceitfulness, his underhandedness. He's got plenty of things up his sleeve. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You better realize and understand that the devil is going to use this natural world and you're operating in a spiritual world. Yes, you're still part of this world, but you ought to be making a spiritual difference in this natural world instead of this natural world making a difference in your spiritual life. It's a real struggle. So many Christians. It's not. The life that we live is not a life of feeling. We're talking about faith. The evidence of things not seen. The world operates on what they can see. But we act and live upon faith. Upon what we know that God is and that God will do because we believe it with all of our hearts. We know. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and in verse 18, Word of God says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, those that don't believe it, those that are in the world, it is to them what? Foolishness. Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We see it in total opposite realms. There is absolute, we don't see it the way they see it. To them, all that preaching of the cross stuff, that's just crazy. That's foolishness. But to us that are saved, we know. That's the power of God. That's the, the hope in our life. In the very next chapter there, in chapter 2, he says in verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. We have the truth of God's Word before us. You see, you may as well grasp and understand. I know. If it's important for you to impress the world out there, you're going to have problems because to the world, I'm a fool. And a bunch of you are fools. They think everything that we do is just foolishness. It's just so crazy. How can you do that? You believe that a God created, spoke all this into existence? No. <laughs> no, they want to believe that there was a big cosmic explosion and that everything came from nothing and that there was no plan and, and no organization and it just happened. Much easier to believe and that somebody actually planned it, designed it, and did it. I'm telling you, folks, they want you. They spend billions upon billions upon billions trying to prove something that's never been proven, and they've never been able to prove it. They've never proven anything that God has recorded in his word as being wrong and not being so, and yet they still keep trying to prove it. They'll never, ever find their answers. What happens? Sadly, many Christians are tempted by Satan. <laughs> As he comes in and starts messing with their faith, they start trying to adjust their faith to the worldviews. They try to adjust the spiritual truths to the natural world. None of us, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I do enough things for people to think I'm stupid and foolish and crazy and all kind of weird and wonderful things, but I don't do it intentionally. I just have to be myself. Well, that's all I want you to do. Just be yourself as a Christian. Let Christ be seen in you. You think they're upset with you now? You think they think you're weird? You think that they think that, you know, all of these things that you do is just so totally ludicrous? Well, let me tell you something. Let them see a little bit more of Christ in your life. <laughs> They'll just think you're crazier. <laughs> They'll think you're more foolish. The more they see of him, the less that they see of you. Fight 
the good fight of faith. Get involved in this fight. The devil is always, every day of his life, he's trying. He's trying so hard to either keep you away from God or to keep you being used of God. They both depend upon your faith. They both depend upon you believing and trusting and acting. The walk of faith is a struggle. It's a battle. It's a fight, the Bible says. It's a fight that you need to get involved in. Satan is not going to give up and quit and surrender. He is already defeated. He just doesn't know it, and one day he will face that. But he's not going to give up on you. <laughs> he's not going to just suddenly say, oh, I'm not going to bother with that person anymore. You've got a fight on your hands. I've got a fight on my hands. We all have a fight. We could go back and we could give illustration after illustration. But are you going to engage yourself in the fight today? Or are you going to passively sit by and just let Satan either keep you from heaven or keep you from being used of God for something phenomenal? Might be you. I, I'm don't think I'm crazy. It might be you that's out there walking on the water. It might be you. What did Jesus say? Greater than these shall ye do because I go unto the Father. Jesus Christ will do things through you that are totally inexplicable, that you can't explain. We're not talking about trying to do these things in our flesh and make them up. I'm just saying, let God do what he wants to do with your life, whether you understand it, whether you can explain it, and the world definitely won't be able to understand it and explain it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. The warnings are there. I know you can leave here today. And you can leave here with those same doubts. You can leave with the enemy because he's fighting for your soul today and he's fighting for it for eternity. And you can walk through those doors unsaved, unready to face God today and hope you get another chance. Well, you can lay hold on eternal life right here today. You can tell Satan to get out of your life. You're believing. When God said that when Jesus Christ went and died on that cross and shed his blood to pay for your sins, that they stuck him in the grave and three days later that he rose and he came out of there and that he's coming again for you one day, are you willing to trust what he's done? You can lay hold on eternal life right here today, but it's, it's got to be by faith. And no, not something you muster up. God's given it to you. If you don't have your own, come and see me. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have mine. <laughs> Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God right here. Lay hold on it today. Christians, we can spend our lives playing games. One perspective that you do get as you start getting a bit older in life, as you look back, you wonder, how could I have wasted so much on the things that were of so little importance? Why didn't I spend more time on the things that really mattered? I can promise you with every breath that I've got in my body or ever will have, I've never regretted anything that I did for the Lord. But I've not only regretted a lot of the things that I've done that I shouldn't, I've regretted a lot of things that I didn't do that I could have done. Today, I'm just saying there is a real struggle. There's a real battle for your faith. The devil wants to keep you from laying hold on eternal life. But as we see the many different examples in that chapter, he also wants to keep you from being effective, from being used of God in this world. Fight the good fight. Get involved. Take hold of this thing. Fight him off. It might be the conflicts of doubt that he sends your way. It might be the the conflict of strength and what's laying before you and what needs to, to, to be accomplished. It might be the conflict that he sends for your own understanding in these matters or the conflict of <laughs> trying to live a spiritual life in a natural world. There's many, 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 many others. These are just a few simple illustrations and I want to encourage you today, again, be warned. Beware.
Be on guard. Be careful. Fight the good fight of faith. The battle is going on. Satan's after you. But you need to get involved in this fight. It's a good fight to be involved in. And you need to be active. Father, there's so many things. We know that, Lord, faithfulness is something that Lord, so many Christians struggle with because there's so many things pulling them away in so many areas. Lord, I want to pray today that you'd help us to realize that in this good fight, Lord, that we need to be faithful in our prayer time. We need to be faithful in our Bible reading. We need to be faithful in our witness, in our fellowship with one another, in our faithfulness of assembling together in this world, of giving, of being faithful to our Lord. Lord, help us. Help us to fight the good fight. Help us not just to so easily sit back and sit aside and let the devil have his way with us. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here today. Lord, as we sing these final words, I know this with all my heart, that for everyone here today, whoever they are, Lord, that if they're here and they're unsaved, you want them to come to you right now just as they are, just as they are, without one plea. Help them, Lord. Oh, I wish that I could do it for them. But, Lord, they can either let Satan win this battle today, this conflict today, whatever it might be that would be keeping them from actively putting their faith in you, or, Lord, it might be that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that they could overcome those, those doubts, those things that may be filling their minds at this time and this day put their faith and trust in you, coming just as they are. And for every believer here today, well, they can, they can leave here today. They can just continue in life. They can be so involved in all the things that take their time all the things that prove to be important to them in this life. Father, I pray that you'd help them to get engaged in this fight, in this battle, in their life, in our church. Lord, that a difference could be made through their life, that you can do something truly remarkable, that you can do something with their life that they'll never, ever, ever accomplish on their own. Do that for us today, Lord, and we'll give you all the praise and all the thanks in Christ's name. Amen.